What's going on, everybody? Brennan Schaefer back with another edition of Be Shafe Daily, and it's August 31st in the evening time. The Cardinals are currently playing the Cincinnati Reds in Game 1 of that series, but we're here today to talk on the podcast about the trade deadline, and in the case of the Cardinals, it's their inactivity at the trade deadline. Talked about in the last episode on Friday the fact that the Cardinals probably wouldn't be especially active ahead of this trade deadline. I was kind of surprised by the level of activity across the league. It was actually a little higher than I expected. Just because of all the the COVID situation and, and the shortened season, not having a lot of prospects in action for teams I thought would impact their ability to evaluate the players they might be acquiring. If you're a, a team in the midst of a sell mode situation, kind of difficult to know who you want back because you're not able to see those guys in action you saw some trades across the league include players to be named later simply because if, if a guy's not on someone's 60-man uh, player pool, then I, I don't believe they're actually eligible to be traded in, in name. You know, you can trade them, but it's going to be in the form of a player to be named later. So maybe that there have been some agreements on who some of those guys are. But in the case of St. Louis, the Cardinals did not make any moves. They didn't do anything. Uh, their only transaction today that I of which I'm aware is Lane Thomas being activated from the COVID-related injured list. And so he's back with the Cardinals there in Cincinnati. Not in the starting lineup, though, on Monday, as the Cardinals continuing to go with an outfield of Tommy Edmond in left field. And they'll have Harrison Bader, Carlson continue to split time in center field. And they've got Dexter Fowler pretty much entrenched in right field. But Lane Thomas with the team going to be interesting to see kind of how he he fits into their plans moving forward because if you've got Edmund in the lineup which I am in support of and already in this game today he's he's got a hit that helped the Cardinals score run in the first inning as I'm recording this podcast post trade deadline as uh, the local media got a chance to hear from Mike Schilt and John Mosellock a little bit earlier this afternoon and so I understand the, the temptation to want to have Tommy Edmund in there as much as possible I think it fits and it's fair to to say that Tommy Edmond is is one of Mike Schilt's guys, and it's okay for you know managers to have certain guys that they kind of you know are, are more inclined to give the benefit of the doubt to. I'm not saying that there's anybody that Schilt is kind of you know not giving a fair enough chance to. I know that was kind of a criticism of Mike Matheny that a lot of people had. Colton Wong was a guy who uh, has has flourished under Mike Schilt and maybe just never really felt like he got the the opportunity in the run to be able to play his game and have that confidence instilled in him by the manager when Mike Matheny was here. But I think Mike Schilt by and large does a pretty good job of, of, of what he does with, with the guys that he's got. But one guy I would like to see, you know, as an example, play a little bit more than he, than he has is Lane Thomas especially when you have the outfield situation going the way that it has for the Cardinals. Tyler O'Neill just not panning out so far. You haven't gotten the production out of him that you want to see. And I understand they're going to have to play Dylan Carlson and let him work through his, his issues early in his career as he goes through um, what is a, a, a crazy time to be experiencing a rookie season for the Cardinals' top prospect. But his numbers haven't been up to par either. And so, you know, you could you could argue that while you're going to have him in there darn near every day, some some time, you know, day here and there would be fine. And I just, I would like to see Lane Thomas. I really thought that was going to be more of the game plan coming into the season, but it just was kind of like the unwritten rule that Tyler O'Neill would actually be the guy that was kind of awarded the left field position. 
and it just hasn't seemed like the Cardinals are extra motivated to get playing time for Lane Thomas, who if you look back in a small sample size last year before he he had the injury where he got hit by a couple pitches in the same area on the wrist or the arm in the same like same couple of days, and so that put him on the injured list toward the end of 2019, and we didn't get to see him really down the stretch in September. But I feel like Lane Thomas is is potentially some untapped potential that the Cardinals could could be able to get some production out of if they're if they're looking for it. Fowler's had a nice nice season out in right field, hitting 274, OBP near 350, and so he's doing he's doing a fine job uh, with a little bit of slugging as well. Had a home run over the weekend. The Cardinals lost that series, by the way, as you know by now. Friday, Saturday, Sunday to the Indian Indians, losing two out of three, but. Closing it on a high note with the complete game by Adam Wainwright. And that game they played on Sunday, that's more in tune with the team they need to be. They scored seven runs. They scored in multiple innings. They were able to have an impact offensively and get to that Cleveland Indians pitching staff. Wainwright obviously isn't going to throw a complete game every time out, but you'll take that where you can get it. His first complete game since the 2016 season. But I think by and large, they've got a pitching staff that can compete and that can keep him in games, but they're going to have to hit. They're going to have to hit a little bit more like they did on Sunday than they did on Friday and Saturday. And you can lump Thursday into that as well when they were swept by the Pirates in that doubleheader. And then against the Indians in the first two games, they, they just don't get any runs across. And so you're not going to win many games scoring zero runs or two runs like the Cardinals did in the early games of that series. And so finding ways to have consistent offense, that is what it all boils down to for St. Louis as they approach kind of a stretch run of September. I know they're not even halfway through their their season, their calendar yet as far as games played, but most other teams are beyond that halfway point. Cardinals approaching it as of right now, having played 25 games heading into Monday's affair with Cincinnati. They're 12-13. and 13. Technically, by percentage points, that's good enough for second place. They've got a lot more games remaining, though, just ahead of the Reds and Brewers. And I was on the radio this afternoon in Columbia, Missouri on KTGR, the big show with Matt Michaels. And we talked about that, kind of looking at their schedule moving forward. What, what, what do the Cardinals have to do to be able to keep pace and to be able to get where they want to go as far as the postseason is concerned? And, you know, they're going to have to beat the teams that they're competing with. That's the Reds and the Brewers in particular, because the Cubs right now, I think the Cubs enter the day three and a half games up on the Cardinals in the division, but you don't have to win a division. That's not required this year. And it's not even required necessarily to finish in second in the division. Second will guarantee you a playoff spot, but third could get you one too. If the rest of the division happens to up their game a little bit, I still think it's going to take around 500, maybe a smidge better than that. You may even see a team worse than that be able to squeak in depending on how the other two divisions go in the National League. And the American League as well could have, have some of that going on where teams below 500 do have a shot to make it. Right now the Cardinals are below 500, but you've got to consider they've got a ton of games left against the Brewers. You know, they were supposed to play that series in Milwaukee. I don't believe they've played the Brewers at all yet. And they're going to end up squeezing their, you know, 10 or 8 games, whatever it is they have remaining. I'm not going to look it up right now, but it's a lot of games toward the end of September. And that's going to be definitely a deciding factor in, in which teams emerge in the National League Central because the Brewers and Reds are neck and neck right now, just so narrowly behind the Cardinals in the standings. So got to take advantage of these games against the Reds when you got them. And the same will be said and will be true of the games the Cardinals have coming up later in, in September against Milwaukee. It's going to be important. 
Otherwise, you've got the Pirates, you've got the Royals some more. They didn't beat up on those teams quite like they should have. I know they took the series from the Royals, but they lost to Pittsburgh twice in that doubleheader. Can't let those kinds of things happen. That's all where, you know, more consistent offense comes into play. And so kind of looping back around to what is this trade deadline discussion regarding the Cardinals. There are moves made across the league. As I mentioned, the Cardinals were not involved in any of them. This afternoon, John Mazalak talked about it, and it was kind of the, the answers that I expected to hear from the president of baseball operations for the Cardinals, talking about just the roster crunch and the situation the team's in right now. And it all stems from the COVID-19 kind of outbreak that the Cardinals had throughout their, their roster. They had 10, 10 players that were lost, and those guys are making their way back now. Molina has returned. Paul DeYoung has returned. Junior Fernandez is back. Um, they've, they got Lane Thomas back today. And Ryan Helsley, I believe, is expected for Tuesday. And so you continue to have these guys rejoin the team. But as that happens, that's when you start to, to get yourself into position to have to worry about the roster crunch. Because when those guys were on the COVID injured list, they did not count against the 40-man roster. You were able to have them on the COVID IL, no problem. You can add guys to the 40-man in their spot, but when they return, those spots do start to matter again, and you've got to be able to fit them in somewhere if you want your your regulars that went down with COVID, if you want those guys to rejoin the roster. And in certain cases, you're going to have guys that are exposed to waivers who probably otherwise would not have been because they never would have been on the 40-man roster to begin with if you didn't need the extra depth during the time when you were making your way back from COVID. And so some of the players the Cardinals called up, you know, you might say, well, why are they so worried about losing these guys? It's, it's, they didn't perform very well anyway. It's unlikely teams will pick them up. Um, I tend to agree with, with some of that thought process. I, I don't think very many teams are going to be itching to pick up some of the guys the Cardinals might have to expose to waivers um, just because – a, there might be some level of competitive understanding there to say, yes, we understand the Cardinals had it worse and we don't imminently need this guy you know, to join our bullpen. And, and those other teams would have to put these guys on the 40-man rosters as well. And if there, there are guys who had, you know, talking about some of these pitchers that had ERAs in the fives and sixes in the minors last year and, you know, they, they just weren't guys necessarily that you were expecting to have a shot. Some of them performed better than others when they did get their opportunity in the bigs. And so maybe those little small sample size chances showed other teams like, Hey, we want to take a chance on this guy. I'm not saying it's impossible that some of that will happen, but in hearing Moselak talk, he kept, he kept saying, you know, they're a little worried. They're, they're scared about, you know, what's going to have to happen to some of these guys on waivers. My advice would be just, you know, don't place the guys on waivers that, you know, teams might actually pick up, you know, they were able to pass Alvaro Cejas through waivers, a guy that they play that they paid, you know, a decent signing bonus as a prospect, pitching prospect a couple years ago whenever it was that he signed as a teenager and he's about 20 years old now I believe and that he was passed through waivers earlier in this season when they removed him for whatever reason from the 60-man player pool I don't really think there was ever a formal explanation given as to why they made that decision unless unless I have missed it but my point being there is that would have been a guy I would have figured teams would have would have taken a, a shot at and a chance to have him it didn't happen and so Again, I'm going to be reluctant to list any specific names, but you guys know who we're talking about when we're when we're talking about the guys that were you didn't really know much about them before this season. The Cardinals kept calling them up. They made some of them made their major league debuts, and then you know they haven't really been heard from since. Some of those guys might still be on the taxi squad. You know they're they're considered part of the organizational depth if the Cardinals 
end up needing to call upon it. But as far as in a regular season, like in 2021, not necessarily guys that were were super high on the list of, yeah, they're, they're guys we're going to be counting on as depth. You know, roster depth, I think, coming into the season was Daniel Ponce de Leon, who, who did not pitch well against the Indians. My prediction about the season that I thought he would have um, is, is not really coming to pass as of right now. Cardinals ended up optioning him to the alternate training site in Springfield after he got roughed up by Cleveland over the weekend. Uh, but, you know, we're talking about names like Ponce and names like Austin Gomber, who, you know, you thought could fill in in the rotation if you ended up needing that. We weren't necessarily talking about these other guys that only when the pandemic hit the Cardinals did they have to to pivot and go to some of these names. And so that doesn't mean you want to lose guys. Organizational depth is important. It's going to be important when the minor leagues presumably get going again in 2021. Uh, but it's 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 just not a situation where I, I think the Cardinals have a whole heck of a lot to be worried about unless they go, you know, exposing guys that were already on the roster previously. Like, there had been talk... Of, of, you know, would Lane Thomas be you know, like, of course, Lane Thomas was going to be activated. I don't know why anybody would question that. To me, Austin Dean is another guy that should be in the same boat. Like, I get it that pitching depth in particular is a concern this year. But if you liked what you saw from Dean in spring and you like what you saw from him in summer and you liked him enough to make the roster, I don't think COVID should be a reason that you end up exposing him to waivers because multiple teams have taken a flyer on Austin Dean and the upside power that he represents over the past few seasons, the Cardinals being the most recent of them when the Marlins kind of cast him out. And so that was a, a deal, I think, where he was either outrighted or or they had designated him for assignment. And the Cardinals swooped in, traded a, you know, a prospect, teenage prospect you'd never heard of, and they said, we'll take a shot on Austin Dean. That's fine. There's no reason to pivot from that now. When Dean's ready, in my opinion, you should be welcome back to the team, especially because you don't have an outfield right now that you think is performing uh, up to expectations, Tyler O'Neill in particular. And if you're unwilling to give you know, Lane Thomas some run, maybe Austin Dean's a guy who could, could latch on to some playing time. Just as an example, I feel like that's kind of the direction the Cardinals you know, should be looking as they approach some of these situations. Yes, when Ryan Helsley comes back tomorrow, on, on Tuesday, more likely than not, because he did travel with the team to Cincinnati, you're going to have to make a decision, and it's it's not fun. And I understand that, you know, these are these are people that you that you're, you know, impacting their lives with these decisions, and the, the business decisions are never, you know, I don't envy John Mozeliak and company for having to make them. But at the end of the day, if you view it as these are guys that probably weren't going to get a lot of opportunity anyway, if they do end up, you know, going elsewhere, it's probably better for the player because if the Cardinals are trying to get him off the 40-man roster, it, it means they were unlikely to be able to contribute again later on in 2020. Another team picking them up might have more interest in using them. Uh, and so I know they're going to be reluctant to do that with pitchers, but I don't see any way around it um, just because you the pitchers are, are by and large a lot of the guys that you ended up bringing up when you had the need during the COVID situation. So you might ask, though, too, and this is something that I wanted to bring up, if the Cardinals had such a, you know, a crunch that they're expecting. And so you, you can, you can make some understanding for why they weren't able to make any trades that would impact and help the major league roster this season. Because if you look at it and they, they acquire somebody who's going to go right to the 20, 28 man roster, or whatever it is right now, then you'd obviously have to add that player to the 40 man as well. And you've already got to get guys off the 40 man. So if you're not trading from the 40 man to acquire for the 40 man, then you're you're and Mosaic described it like a tax almost on any trade they would make because 
you're already knowing that you're going to have to lose guys. And so by adding to the 40-man, you would inevitably be losing somebody else. And so the kind of trades that they did pursue, although it doesn't sound like they did anything very in-depth, Mosellac says they weren't particularly close to anything. That doesn't surprise me. I don't. It doesn't even sound like they had very many like serious conversations with other teams in the last couple of days, which I'm sure could be disappointing to hear. I will say, when, when you kind of look at it from the 40-man perspective, it was going to be hard to, to swing the kind of deals that, you know, your, your Cardinals fans were going to want to see. I know other teams were able to do it. You know, the Cincinnati Reds acquire Archie Bradley. I think that would have been a fit. Trevor Rosenthal gets moved by the Royals. I think that would have been a fit. You know, Starling Marte goes to the Marlins. That would have been a great fit. But you also understand why the Cardinals are, you know, reluctant to really pursue that because of, of what it would have taken to get it done. And so for a team that's sitting just a little bit below 500 right now, for a team that, as John Mozeliak said, has only gotten to play, you know, a handful of games, if that with the, number, with, with the you know, five games at the beginning of the season, really, with the roster they thought they would have for this season, and then everything kind of got, got torn apart and, and frayed and you're having to pick up the pieces, they're hoping to get that same roster back. It's a roster that they still believe in and would like to see, you know, continue to compete down the stretch, and they think it'd be enough with what they have to, to make the postseason. It's not sexy. I'm not saying it is. It's pretty boring because a lot of teams around baseball at least did something today. The Cardinals have always said, though, that they don't want to make moves just to make them. And then in this situation, when they had the 40-man roster to contend with, I can understand and I'm not surprised that nothing came to fruition. Now, the kind of move you would have liked to have seen is some of these guys that you're concerned might have to go through waivers. You could have tried to trade them and maybe trade them for a younger player who's, you know, or a player to be named later, as I mentioned earlier in the show, don't even necessarily have to know who the guy's going to be yet. And they, they can kind of have those things decided behind closed doors. And then next year, when some of these other prospects are eligible to be traded uh, that are not in the player pools, then maybe you're able to, to facilitate, facilitate the other half of those deals. But it sounds like the Cardinals did try to do that and they just were unsuccessful in doing it, which I'm not an expert on, on how difficult those trades would have been to make. But I mean, if you're talking about some of the names that they've had to call up recently and are thinking those are the guys that are going to head back down when they get everybody, all their regulars back in the mix, you know, how much were you really going to going to necessarily get for some of those guys? It's the same reason. I don't think they've got a whole lot to worry about as far as waivers are concerned with them, because if you, if you expose the right guys to waivers, they're probably going to pass through and remain part of, you know, not only your 60 man player pool for this year, but your organizational depth moving forward. We'll see. I, you know, I'm sure the Cardinals will have a decision that will kind of scratch our heads about and say, really, you had to expose that guy because he might get picked up and then he maybe does, and you wouldn't have had to worry about that with some other guys. But only they really are, are in a position to understand, too, how much of these pitching, you know, these pitchers they need to keep on the 40-man in case, you know, things go south. Because we've seen Andrew Miller go on the, the injured list. Uh, Ricardo Sanchez evidently had some elbow pain forearm pain, whatever the case was, it was enough to get him on the 45-day injured list to where they don't have to worry about losing him. If all these guys could end up having a, you know, elbow pain, I guess you'd be able to say the same. I don't know what the, th- the threshold is for proving that he had this elbow pain. I'm not questioning it, but there wasn't really any formal report about what he's going to need other than, than just, you know, it was going to take too long to get him back up and going. And so it just made sense because of the, the short you know, duration of the remainder of the season. You've got about a less than a month 
remaining until the end of the, the the calendar for the MLB season just made sense to put put him on that list Ricardo Sanchez and and 45 day DL him IL him and then you don't have to worry about him taking up a spot on the 40 man anymore maybe there will be some other injuries that come about and that'll be a way the Cardinals can kind of stem the tide of of a, a bunch of dudes leaving on waivers but I don't think it's going to be a major concern at the same time I understand why they didn't have a very active deadline but still, if you're a Cardinals fan, you're like, look, this has been the story like every trade deadline for the last five deadlines. And I'll say, yeah, you're pretty much right. Because 2016, 2017, you know, they didn't feel like they were in position to really make a big splash as buyers. 2018, they technically sold, even though they were still in the mix. That was when they traded Tommy Pham in that, on that trade deadline day. And so didn't really get anything back as far as players to help the team right then and there. And then last year, you know, not a whole lot going on as well. So that's where the Cardinals are at right now. It's got to be, I understand the frustration as a fan where you just say, it's like the same thing every year. Could we get some excitement in here? It's just, for whatever reason, the Cardinals do not seem, and, and you could say, well, there's always a reason. There's always an excuse. They're in this position. They're in that position. In 2020, I do, I will agree and that I understand the perspective of the organization that the COVID situation has made it more difficult and they've they've got their eye on other things that they're having to contend with rather than be totally locked in on making making trades and thinking about okay what could the team look like in 2021 if we make this trade now it's just not it's just not where the organization was but I think it's fair to press a little bit as a fan and say well if not now when like it's always going to kind of be something but you look at that roster how many guys on this team were you were you angling to to send to other teams in order to improve today? You know, I think more than anything you could have said, well, they could have sold some pieces for the future because you've got, you know, like Brad Miller, for instance, is having a great season. If somebody else needed a bat like that, you could, you know, you could maybe get a little something for him. But the Cardinals need a bat like that. We're talking about not having offense. You don't want to trade away a guy that's helping your offense for a team that expects to still make the postseason. As far as what you were going to buy, I mean, if you were going to make a big splash, which, you know, a couple names got moved. I mentioned Marte was one of them. Who are other teams going to ask for when you're making a big splash? Dylan Carlson, Nolan Gorman, Matt Libertor. And I've got Cardinals fans saying, well, who besides X, Y, and Z could the Cardinals, you know, dangle in a trade and maybe get something? And the answer is nobody. They don't have it. They don't have the, the marquee prospects that teams want. And if you're looking at the, the prospects they do have and saying, well, I don't want to trade that guy, that's that's your answer as to why no trades were made. And I think some fans understand that. Others, I understand, are just kind of frustrated and they just wanted to see something happen. And it would certainly be more interesting to talk about if something had happened, but nothing did. And so you're basically in the same spot you were in in January, in February, in July, back at the you know winter meetings, spring training, and summer camp, respectively. Cardinals are going with internal options. They've got to get more production out of this lineup. If they don't, you know, now it kind of does change the if they don't, because if they don't, you might still not end up making a lot of moves in the offseason. And I get the financial thing is going to be real because they don't have, you know, the income, the revenues that they thought they would have this season. And so how is that going to impact spending moving forward? It's going to be a real thing. I mean, I'm just going to tell you right now that it's going to impact the Cardinals. I'm not going to say ability to spend, but certainly it will impact their willingness to spend to improve the roster, and so, you know, internal options are going to continue to be a thing. But if you go through this whole season and Tyler O'Neill doesn't prove to be the answer, Tommy Edmond doesn't have the the offensive year and, and turn out to be the corner outfielder that right now they're trying to, to play him as, 
and you don't give Lane Thomas a chance. I mean, Dylan Carlson certainly hopeful for the future, but you know, you could maybe end this season saying, yeah, he's not, maybe we shouldn't count on him to be the savior of this offense, single-handedly put it on his shoulders because that's maybe not a fair expectation of, of one young player, one young prospect, even if he did have a lot of acclaim coming out of the minor leagues. And I think at that point in time, you'll need to make moves to, to supplement the offense, but I can I can also see it being a crunchy, difficult situation in the winter because of COVID and, and just a lot of uncertainty surrounding the game in general. So it's not an ideal spot for the Cardinals to be in. It's a spot they've been in before with regard to, you know, do we want to buy? Do we want to sell? If we do want to buy, what can we actually feel comfortable giving up? If we if we do decide to sell some players off, what do we, you know, what do teams actually want from us that we can get a return for so it's worth our while? Not a whole lot of answers to go around for all of those questions, and it's kind of why you see the Cardinals in the situation that they're in right now. Uh, but I'm going to wrap this show up for today, kind of dove in on what we thought of the trade deadline. It wasn't super active. I understand that. But if you still are left with questions regarding the Cardinals' approach to player personnel right now, definitely shoot me a voicemail message on the podcast's webpage, and you can do that at anchor.fm slash bshafer12. Let me know what you think. We'll play your message on a future episode of Shafe Daily and be able to kind of dive into it a little bit as we make our way through the rest of the season. And those can be questions about, you know, the Cardinals trade deadline. You can leave your thoughts about whether you agree or disagree with uh, what I said today, with what the team did slash did not do over the weekend and into Monday. Talk about, you know, opinions about Mike Schilt, lineup making, you know, you know what he does with his bullpen, starting rotation. We can kind of dive into these, and I'll kind of share my thoughts as well and bounce some ideas back off of everybody if you're interested in doing that. Once again, the link is anchor.fm slash bshafer12. You can give me a follow on the socials everywhere at bshafer12, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook as well. Um, but more than anything, we'd love to have you subscribe to the podcast. You can do that at Apple Podcasts. You can do it on Spotify. Google, I believe, also has a, a podcast link for you there. It's bshafe daily anywhere you're going to want to find the show and in all of those places you can do so. Cardinals have taken the lead here before I uh, sign off for this episode of the podcast. We'll talk to you guys tomorrow, though, about the rest of this game, Game 1 against the Cincinnati Reds, and the outlook on the rest of the Cardinals season as we move along. But until then, I'll talk to you guys tomorrow.